So the prescription, I mean, the prescription is, is again, varies with each speaker. Oh, really? Uh, The deliberate practice and actually uh, where a lot of your material comes in handy for me is the deliberate practice of, of breathing. Um, breathing is, is, and breath support, diaphragmatic breathing and deep breathing is one of those power tools that you have as a speaker, once you learn to use it correctly, because when we flood our, our, our bodies with extra oxygen, our heart rate lowers. So it's, it's one of those surefire techniques to our happy place if we learn to use it correctly, but it takes a lot of practice. Not only is it difficult to take deep breaths when you're nervous because your body instinctually tightens everything up. It's, it's protecting its vital organs from attack. So it makes it twice as hard to take a deep breath. That's why we uh, start taking shallow chest breaths in uncomfortable situations, but switching to a, a deeper, a deeper breathing is really, really powerful tool to calm and center yourself as a speaker, but it takes a lot of practice and a lot of training that muscle to work for you. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. Here is Martin Grunberg. All righty. Welcome back, Habits to Goals listeners. Thank you so much for joining me. My name, of course, is Martin Grunberg, and you have reached Habits to Goals. Today's interview is with a specialist when it comes to public speaking. And, of course, I was introduced to her. So <laughs> we we have a mutual friend, which is her husband, Mr. Greg Fassbinder. And Fia, before we get into it, how's Greg doing? Greg is doing great. Thanks for asking. He's actually in Palm Springs right now, so he'll hear this. Uh, he'll probably hear this before he sees me. He must be doing great if he's hanging out in Palm Springs. Spring, <laughs> spring, spring break, right? I hope not. I have no idea. <laughs> I love it. And I, I got to say, uh, I don't know if this was made to order. I'm not sure I could. anyone could script the name Fia Fassbinder better. How? <laughs> How do you explain that one? Uh, I explain it as double F, Martin. <laughs> F, F <laughs> Those two. are my initials, double F. Double. So Fastbinder is my maiden name from Greg, but it does, it you know, it gets me a lot of attention. And in fact, uh, now that Michael Fassbender, the actor, has become so famous, people ask us all the time, not only do they say, I have a cool name, but am I related to him? Which I'm not, but uh, would be cool if I was. Well, I, I've never heard of the guy, but I'm sure he's famous. I think Greg's he is, famous. He won an Academy Award. Yeah, Greg, he, yeah, because just second to Michael Fassbender is my husband. Right, and, right. And, and famousness, yes. Perfect. All right. Well, I think you know how we kick off the show with our uh, GTR. Do you know what that is? So I do now, and I've been racking my brain what to tell you. Uh-oh. Well, uh, you get the option. You don't have to go first. It's up to you. We'll, we'll flip no, for it. Oh. No, you go first. Okay. I like that. I like that. Well, mine is hardly 
it's it's worth mentioning more than it is a GTR, and uh, which of course stands for Good Things Report. If you're new to the show, um, I coached my last eighth grade, really middle school soccer game. We had our playoffs over the weekend, so you know, bittersweet. It's great to see. My youngest moving on to high school next year. Uh, it's just been so much fun coaching these teams for the last four years or so. So that's my GTR. What do you got? Okay, so here's what I got. Mine's kind of three, three, a three-pronged approach, if you will. So I was thinking about this. So personally, uh, my GTR is I ran an 11.7 on the treadmill at my boot camp today, which is the fastest I ever ran, and I definitely bumped up against my comfort zone. An 11.7, uh, and 11.7, that's a yeah. minute mile, is that what we're saying? Yeah. Good for so you. The, yeah, and so that was really terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. Uh, as a mom, my My son just made club soccer, so that was really exciting for us as a family. Um, And on a professional level, I just found out today I got my first workshop with Netflix, which was kind of one of those benchmarks for my company. Like, you know, we've we've hit the big time if we got a workshop with Netflix, so I'm super excited about that. So those are my GTRs. Wow, that's that's that's, I think that's more than a triple. I think that's a home run. You're killing it on all fronts. Uh, real, real, real quick, how how old is uh, the boy here? The boy just turned eight. Eight. Yeah, that's a great time yeah. to get into club soccer. I'm not sure if I'm cut out to be a soccer mom, so time will tell. Oh, yeah. 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 Just wait. I know. Oh. I know. I, I'm about to drink the Kool-Aid. I know. Oh, oh. man. It gets, <laughs> it gets nutty, especially if you want to be the mom that <laughs> that's packing the oranges and the water and the towels and all that fun stuff. So yeah. good luck. Good luck. Yeah, Let thanks. me know how it thanks. goes. Thanks. I'll take it. Sophia, uh, we've, we've danced around this a little. The fact is you, you are a paid professional coach for speakers and congrats again on the Netflix gig. I, it's my Thank understanding you. you write a, uh, column for ink is that correct i do that was kind of that would have been my gtr uh in january (laughs) (laughs) that was that was that was a benchmark too Uh, yeah i'm a weekly columnist to ink.com and and there's for public speaking and presentation skills so if you google my name or if you go into ink and anything in the lead section or the lead channel of ink.com you'll see you'll see my articles and so that's been really fun to kind of share with the world my my view of communication. Well, congratulations on that. So let's get into it. When my understanding is this company's, I don't know, three or four years old, maybe it's older. Uh give me a little refresher on that. What was the opportunity you saw? Obviously there's a lot of people who <laughs> who who need help with this sort of thing. So so take me through the thought process of, of forging this company. Forging Moxie. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the backstory to that is I, I started out and I'm a trained actor. I started out in New York where I went to school as an actor. And uh, somewhere around five years of being an actor in New York City, I had the opportunity to work with a company called the 52nd Street Playhouse. Ooh. And the 52nd Street Playhouse brings uh, arts 
dance theater singing to inner city youth in Harlem. And it changed my life. It, it changed my mindset and my outlook on what I wanted to do and realized that I absolutely loved to teach and I loved guiding and giving a voice to people that might feel disenfranchised, like they don't have a voice, they don't have a place. Uh, and so that really began my love of teaching. And I uh, got my teaching credential and my master's in education and started teaching at UCSD. And I was teaching in the acting department uh, and I had the opportunity to create their public speaking curriculum. And I had never thought about public speaking ever. I, I considered myself an actor and, and a teacher. Uh, but fast forward five years later, I had created their public speaking curriculum and was teaching not only students, but people in the business community that were giving presentations. And I uh, began coaching so many of my students on the side who would say, hey, Fia, can you help me? You know, I've got this presentation coming up. Or could you just come into our company really quick and give a couple you know, refresher lessons or some workshops. So I run, I ended up running out of time to teach at UCSD and I left UCSD and became, uh, thanks to Greg, um, who really encouraged me. I, I founded Moxie and, um, that was, that was the beginning of the opportunity. I was kind of call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I, I, I never really expected to turn out that way, but it has been the most purposeful, amazing journey. Well, props to you. I know that takes a tremendous amount of uh, courage, and, and it's a great leap, <laughs> a great leap of faith. And backing all the way up to the beginning, you said it was the 52nd Street? 52nd Street. I think it's called the 52nd Street Project now. It was Project. called the 52nd Street. Yeah, no, I feel, like has been. I feel like I've heard that for some reason, but that must have been yeah. incredibly rewarding to uh, work with these you know, children. So unbelievable. Yeah, it really, it really was life changing. And some of that. So you were coaching them or, or teaching them some acting as well, or was it? Speaking? So that's what, no, it was only acting at that point. I had never even thought about public speaking, but right. you know, to be honest, so much of what I, the lessons I taught them and the and the activities we did, I now do with CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, you know? I mean, the, the, the ability to communicate clearly is the ability to communicate clearly. So I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bridges between what I did then and what I do now. Yeah, and the acting as well. I, you know, what I'm learning more and more, um, and I will just confess that so it's interesting that we're we're chatting. When Confess. I wrote when I wrote the habit yeah. factor, no one no one will hear this. No one will hear oh, this. Oh no, one. it's okay. I I think <laughs> I've I've heard people like transparency. So um, yes, and and I should say, Greg and I have collaborated on a project or two in the past. But when I first uh, the habit factor, just so you know, the the habit factor came out almost seven years ago, and I really. Never thought I was going to write a book, and um, and then when I realized I was writing a book, and then it had maybe some good ideas to help people. The gist is, I thought I could just write a book, send it out to the universe, and then go hide. And I'm, la <laughs> and I'm laughing now as I have a podcast, and I you know go around doing speaking and workshops, but but that was my mindset and. Bringing it back to my original point, I did not understand that the book, sure, it can have a life of its own, but but really, 
it's important to reiterate the message. And, and it just parallels this idea of performance, which, again, is something I never thought I'd be doing. So I can see how your background, your very background, how it's all just coming together perfectly for you to be doing what you said, which is purpose-driven work. So yes. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Your Your last point was teaching people to uh, communicate clearly. Now, this is going to be and maybe an unclear question or vague, but, okay. but the question is, when it comes to not necessarily a speech, I mean, there's so many ways to communicate, but, but are there a few keys to clarity? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. I, I think you have to start with why should your audience care? Okay. That's a huge one. If we're talking about the content, um, yeah, start, start with the why, you know, Simon Sinek's talk is famous for doing that. But as, as presenters, we really have to ask ourselves, why should the audience care about what we're talking about? So I work really deeply with speakers to not just focus on what is your topic, but, but the why, which is your message, right? Right. Uh, and, uh, even clearer than that would be, what is the solution to the problem that you're addressing in your talk? Sure. So, and, and, and I'm a firm believer that most talks, especially persuasive talks are providing solutions, whether it's a change in mindset and change of behavior, a change in thinking, providing solutions to current problems. So those would be definitely ways to get clear on your messaging for your presentation. As far as the delivery, there are definitely things you can do with your body and your voice to undermine the clarity of your message. Uh, things like using um, wishy-washy body language or using repetitive body language. Sometimes we see speakers, they, they're not even they don't even know they're doing this. They'll start swaying or they'll pace, which I call a tiger in a cage syndrome, or they're kind of do, move back and forth with their feet or fidgeting these kind of repetitive body language behaviors that become more and more evident as the speaker gets nervous on stage. They definitely undermine the clarity of your message. So I would be aware of those too. filler words, those kind of ums, ahs, okays, so's, you knows, can undermine the clarity of your message as well. So I would say those three things, watch, watch out for what is the, the difference between the what and the why of your message. Be careful of repetitive body language and be careful of filler words. So <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing one. I'm totally guilty of, but I never looked at it as the caged animal. I come out and I, it's, it's an interesting comment because I do Sometimes there's a lot of energy, and mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I feel like somewhere in the back of my mind, I picked it up from watching other speakers. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I, Tony Robbins, who's probably considered... I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Isn't he considered a great presenter, a great speaker, and he does that all yeah. the time. Yeah, but he's not pacing. I wouldn't say he's pacing. Okay. Well, what, it, the difference whatever is he's doing, I think I'm trying and, and, to do. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, that's okay. The difference between pacing and uh, and moving with conviction is, is a huge, is a vast difference. So, so 
any kind of repetitive movement that you do would undermine the clarity of your message. And, and so if you think about a tiger in a cage, that kind of back and forth, back and forth, uh, Tony, I mean, I would say back and forth ish, but he definitely stops and talks to the audience for a while. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, and when, you know, sometimes we get so enwrapped in our message that it, that it is about the message. It's not about the body language. It's, it's not about these things that are icing. But if I was to say to a speaker, here are the top three things you can do to make sure your message is clear, I would definitely mention being aware of any kind of repetitive body language. No, that's perfect. No. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, we can change yeah. the pacing to a prowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prowls are good. Or just ground yourself when you get to that spot so that your message comes out clear. Great. And... Is there a format now? I'm gonna just I'm gonna jump around a little, and you can say no that that doesn't work, or let's keep it focused over here. You know, you let me know. But if if I have to do a webinar, and you know, right now in the marketing world, there is this kind of theory going around that you want to follow a particular script um is there i recognize you're not from the marketing world so to speak so i'm just wondering from the professional presentation world is there a a script that ought to be followed um you know from open to close and if not that's fine i'm just throwing it I, um, I have really mixed feelings about that. And I think it varies as much as speakers vary, honestly. Got it. Some, so this is usually a webinar is not, it's, it's not like a Ted talk where it has to be memorized verbatim word for word, because it has to fit within this a certain amount of time. And there are 2000 eyes on you right. and it's going to be videotaped. It's okay. The, my point is that it's okay to switch out your words. Sometimes, you know, there, there's room for off the cuff. That being said, some people having a script is really comforting to them and it allows them to feel freer and, and feel more confident in what they're saying in the webinar. Some people feel really uh, caged to go back to that word by a script and would rather just have bullets that they can follow. So I would say, you know, ask yourself as a speaker, which makes you feel more confident. I definitely would recommend an outline to make sure you stay on topic, make sure there's a nice order and flow to your webinar, make sure it's logical uh, you're telling the right stories when you want to tell them. You're using the data when you want to use it. Uh, but, you know, use it whether you use just an out, a bulleted outline versus a script. That's really as it varies as much as I've, I've seen it. So many different variations. And I would say go with what makes you f- feel most comfortable. That's beautiful. And that totally works with me. So now I'm thinking I'm putting myself somebody's out there driving <laughs> and they're hearing this and. They are thinking public speaking, A, I hate it or I'm afraid <laughs> of it, or B, yeah. I won't ever have to do it. So, so yeah. address, address those two uh, in wh- whichever order you'd like. Sure. So let's address the fear first because it's the topic I get asked about the most and that I end up spending a lot of time uh, and space uh, and fear of public speaking during my workshops and my training, because the statistics show that 75% of Americans have a fear of public speaking. In fact, in the last census study, it was a greater fear than dying. 
And, uh, and I'm not making this up. Those are the statistics. Um, Jerry Seinfeld has a really funny joke that at a funeral, more people would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> yeah. That. And so it's, and, and it's a real fear. So, you know, when you, it, uh, I'll just say this about it without going into a long winded dis- discussion on fear of public speaking, but when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense that we would be afraid of it uh, from a biological and historical standpoint. Historically speaking, there were four things that were very bad for our survival as human beings. And those were standing alone with no place to hide, with no weapons and a large group of creatures staring at you. So if those four factors are in combination, your most ancient part of your brain, your amygdala, starts firing off threat reaction messages that you better get out of there and run up that tree because you're about to get attacked, right? Right. Uh, but, and, you know, and your brain does not know the difference between fear of giving a speech and fear of being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, tiger. It just knows fear. So that same threat reaction, it's real. It's, it's a full-bodied, hormonal, automatic response to fear. So I try to train speakers that, first of all, to identify it, not be ashamed of it, that it's real, that it happens to all of us, that you cannot override 60 million years of survival instinct. Instead, you recognize it and you learn tools to help your body subside out of that fight or flight so that you take control of it and that you channel nervous energy into usable energy, which is really our goal with public speaking. We would never want to suck the life out of any speaker. Uh, in fact, Mark Twain said there are two kinds of speakers, those that are nervous and those that are liars. Right. So, you know, there, like- there's, yeah, the nerves are real. They're real. Yeah, no, it reminds me there are two types of gamblers. Losers and liars. Yeah, right. So it's the same. It's the same concept. So I work with speakers to channel that nervous energy instead of trying to, you know, conquer it or overcome it, which is really unrealistic in my mind. So before we come back to that for a second, address the first one that, uh, you know, look, I'm never going to have to. I'm I'm talking for that person driving around who's thinking I'm never going to have to be a public speaker. Right. Okay. So. I always say that public speaking is anytime you're not speaking to yourself. So whether that is, you know, people think public speaking, some people think public speaking, they think a formal presentation on a large stage, but public speaking can be your executive briefing, your all company meeting, your investor pitch, your webinar, your client proposal. You know, these are all forms of public speaking and they're all opportunities to convey your reputation and your business and your brand in a powerful and impactful way. I think that's fantastic. And that's what I was kind of hoping you would get to. I, you know, the longer we live, the more you see these, these opportunities present themselves, whether it's the fire chief has to say something at an accident or, or the soccer coach has to speak to the parents. I, I witnessed something the other day and all I could think was I felt sorry for the young college girl who's a great uh, coach, but she was having a hard time communicating. So Mm -hmm. it just seems to me that, like you said, if if we're being honest with ourselves, the, the opportunities are 
are out there. And in fact, they're pretty much everyday opportunities. And I love that, that quote, if you're not talking to yourself, and by the way, I'm finding I'm talking to myself out loud. So maybe even when you're talking to yourself, <laughs> even when you're talking to yourself, you're public speaking. Yeah, uh, I guess you're your own stakeholder, huh? Yeah. So now let's jump. I mean, I, <laughs> I posted this on Facebook a few months ago, but I, it was too funny. I was with my dog at the park and I'm just having this conversation in my head. But I, I blurted out, I think you're right, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> And I just was like, what? Unbelievable. Well, Unbelievable. I just I just read an Inc. article about um, public speaking lessons from a dog park. You should read that one. Are you kidding? Wow. No, I'm, not, I'm serious. That is bizarre. <laughs> so let's go back to the fear element. And well, everything you said was uh, fantastic, spot on. I love, you know, this idea that it's, it's Im- not impossible. It's difficult to fight 60,000 plus years of evolution. So yeah. what are the techniques? Um, what is the prescription to handle this fear? All right. Just a quick timeout. Want to make sure you're aware that when you subscribe, that is you hit the subscribe button, you're going to get three episodes automatically delivered to you, and in some cases, wirelessly. So you'll get your Mind Bullet Monday, your interview on Wednesday, and of course, your Frequently Asked Friday, all automatically delivered when you subscribe. And on a related note, just want to make sure you realize it helps Henry and I tremendously if you're getting value to leave a quick review particularly in itunes itunes values reviews it weighs them very heavily and that helps the show rankings and how we can spread our message and one more uh quick note about our great sponsor audible.com if there's one thing i know and i think jim Rohn was the one who said this originally in five years The difference in your life will be largely based upon two things, the books you've read and the relationships you have fostered. Doesn't it make sense to take advantage of the downtime, whether you're on the road, on a run, in the gym, kill a couple birds with one stone, get a book going? It's phenomenal. It's The more people I turn on to it, the more uh, compliments I get. Not that I've actually done anything. 180,000 titles to choose from. You get one free book a month, 30% off any other book. Again, check it out. AudibleTrial.com forward slash habits to goals. I'm going to say that again real quick audibletrial.com forward slash habits to goals. And that is the number two. All right. Now let's jump back to Fia Fastbinder and pick up some more brilliant insight and tips from the expert on public speaking and performance. So the prescription, I mean, the prescription is, is again, varies with each speaker. Oh, really? Uh, The deliberate practice and actually uh, where a lot of your material comes in handy for me is the deliberate practice of 
of breathing. Um, breathing is, is, and breath support, diaphragmatic breathing and deep breathing is one of those power tools that you have as a speaker once you learn to use it correctly. Because when we flood our, our, our bodies with extra oxygen, our heart rate lowers. So it's, it's one of those surefire techniques to our happy place if we learn to use it correctly. But it takes a lot of practice. Not only is it difficult to take deep breaths when you're nervous because your body instinctually tightens everything up. It, it's, it's protecting its vital organs from attack. So it makes it twice as hard to take a deep breath. That's why we uh, start taking shallow chest breaths in uncomfortable situations. But switching to a, a deeper a deeper breathing is a really, really powerful tool to calm and center yourself as a speaker. But it takes a lot of practice and a lot of training that muscle to work for you. So that's my hands down top tool. I do a lot of uh, visualization work with, with clients to help them create positive experiences in their mind around public speaking so that they really feel confident when they go up there. So all of that helps you before. And then it sounds so simple, but I can't tell you how much, how difficult this is to get the buy-in, but rehearsal. Anytime you practice, you eliminate that fear of the unknown. So when you give up, when you get up there to give your talk, it's not the first time you've given it. It's the fifth or sixth time. It's just the first time you've given it in front of that audience. So rehearsal is a great tool to help you feel more confident in your, in your talk. That's beautiful. Those are all gems. And, um, we, we discussed, you know, prior to going live here, um, and I know you haven't had a chance to to see the book, so I'm going to make sure you get a copy. But with the pressure paradox, you know, one thing it was it was very insightful to me to recognize that our behaviors, our habits, are bookended, if you will, by by kind of two factors, and one is our thinking. And the other is our environment. And the the habit factor of the book was right there in the middle. It was behaviors. It was habits. And what I'm getting at is the environment, one of the most powerful forces that influence our environment is pressure. And it's literally a force that's been around since the beginning of time. In fact, if you were to buy into the Big Bang Theory, um, <laughs> then pressure is responsible for the universe. Um, but what I'm getting at is before fear is fear, it's pressure. And understanding how to manage, address, and deal with pressure, because there's this fallacy out there that, and it's interesting, it parallels habit, that just like habit, pressure is negative. And what we find upon further investigation is it's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. And where I'm going with this is that the antidote essentially, and this is why I was asking you from, from your experience, dealing with pressure comes down to Effectively, three things. Planning, what's the vision, what's the ideal outcome. Preparing, gathering the resources. Who's, If it's speaking, who's done this speech before? What did it look like? How did it start? How did it end? Gathering knowledge, gathering experts like yourself. 
So, so plan, prepare, and then finally practice, which is the rehearsal. So those are the, that's the, at least from my experience, the, the antidote, if you will, to pressure, which of course often manifests itself into fear. So I, when you talk about those things like rehearsal, that makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. And uh, I, I, I know I mentioned to you before that uh, I train a lot of Olympic athletes lately. The, the reason that happened is I was able, I had the amazing opportunity to work with a Paralympic uh, world record holder at, for the TED Talks. I'm a speaker coach for the for TEDx San Diego. Wow. And I had the opportunity to work with Lex Gillette, who is the world record holder for the blind long jump. And uh, because of my work with him, it led to a few other Olympic athletes, which so now I've had the opportunity to work with three and their mindset around not only training and accepting that training is difficult. Training means bumping up up against your comfort zone. Training means frustration. Training means not getting it right away. There are no easy hacks to mastery that this all acceptance. And then also with that is an acceptance that day of the fear is there and they really, they really embrace it and they let it fuel them as opposed to what most of us do, which is run away from the fear, you know, don't accept the speaking opportunities. Um, you know, don't, try, try to quell the fear and make it go away. They really accept it, embrace it. And it becomes part of their presentation and their performance, which is really cool to witness. Yeah. That's given me chills. Just thinking about, honestly, I just got chills because I, I understand, you know, there's a book out there by a couple PhDs. I won't name where their thesis is (laughs) pressure is the enemy of success. And, Oh God, that just doesn't sit with me well. Because if it's the enemy of success, explain to me how, you know, Tom Brady is a legend uh, with his fifth Super Bowl. Do you not think there was incredible right. pressure there? And and is he not successful? Or what about Abraham Lincoln? Or you could go through, you know, Winston Churchill under immense pressure. And was it the enemy of success or, or was it because of the pressure that he became a legend? And I think it's because of a... Uh, what you just said, that the mindset, they're wired differently to refract the pressure differently. And then they they understand it's about planning, preparing, and practicing. And exactly. over and over yeah. and over. So Michael Phelps uh, probably works harder than any swimmer ever. And here he's got 20-some-odd gold medals or 21 or I don't even know. Wow. So that's all good stuff. And that's, and the reason that's worth sharing here is, is uh, pressure, fear, performance. This is exactly what you specialize in. All right. Well, we're coming over the hump here and we're going to just round it, um, to some closing questions. But Fia, before we do that, are there any other, you, I mean, you've inundated us at this point. So <laughs> any other hot tips, tricks that, you know, somebody's listening and they're like, this is so perfect because tomorrow morning I have yeah. to give a speech to my company. Yeah. Any, yeah. Any- I mean, my last one would be really tap into your intention and, and the excitement. The other thing that goes along with pressure and fear that we've learned uh, from from athletes in general is instead of 
telling yourself to be calm, which really makes you focus on everything that can go wrong. Get excited, get pumped up, get excited about your message, what you have to share, what you have to offer, the gift you have to give that audience and really focus on the excitement that you feel versus uh, the fear. So every time you start to feel those butterflies in your stomach, really, really go back and dial into the excitement and why you accepted the opportunity in the first place. Um, that's beautiful. And, and it just, I kind of chuckled a little because so in our playoff game over the weekend, one of our best players, she's just, she's like hyperventilating and she's all coach. I'm so nervous. Yeah, it was super cute. And I said, Alita, you are not nervous. You're excited. You know, give her a high five. Exactly. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Just tried to spin it around a little. Yeah, uh, yeah, girl. Um, and she she played fantastic. She did actually. I'm not kidding. She ended up hyperventilating on the field, and we had to stop the game and take uh, her off. And luckily, she was just fine. We didn't know if she was overheating or what, but yeah, yeah she was truly pumped up. The other yeah. thing, I think you you just touched on. I think it's worth reiterating. Something I have to uh, remind myself is it. It's all about the message, and it's not about you, (laughs) the speaker. You know, the more I can wrap my head around that, the better uh, things tend to go. Yeah, I always say you're a vessel for your message, and that helps a lot of people. I mean, in one sense, it's kind of a tough love message that it's not about you, but it really isn't about you. The audience, every audience wants three things. They want to learn something. They want to be entertained and they want you as a speaker to do well, every audience. Uh, so if you can do those three things, you know, you can walk out with your head held high. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. We just turned the corner. We were rounding third and that was a fantastic way to do it. Three things, learn something, be entertained and you as the speaker to do well. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Fia. So rapid fire, a few questions Success, success, success. How do you define success? Oh, my goodness. My definition of success as a relatively new business owner is is evolving every day. But to me, success, I feel successful when I see my speakers out on big stage just sharing a message with the world that's changing the world. It, to me, I, that's when I feel most alive and most vital. So when I'm watching my TED speakers out there and they're sharing their message or their, their, their speeches go on to YouTube and I know it's this message that's just going to rock the world, I feel successful. I love it. That's a great one. How about uh, two or three of your best habits? So oh, best habits. So <laughs> I love to dance Whoa. and uh, yeah, I, I love to do hip hop dance. I've done it for decades now. And it's one of those things that when I do it, I feel powerful and alive and just full of joy. And I forget the rest of the world exists. And every time I stop, I get somewhat miserable. And then I go back and I realize this, why did I ever stop this? This is when I feel most alive. So for me, that's a habit that's, um, that's really, really important to me. That's beautiful. To keep dancing. You got another one? You don't have. Oh, (laughs) you know, I mean, I I have lots of good habits. Yeah. No, I think I'll stick with that one. Okay. A glass of wine every night. There you go. 
Um, well, the way you described that actually rung rung true with me, and and it just reminded me of. It sounded like surfing to me. Um, how do you deal with tough days, difficult days? You know, when things fall through, they go sideways. What's your What's your process? Yeah, there? yeah, you know. That's, it's, that's tough, huh? So I dance, <laughs> I breathe, <laughs> I focus on my family and trying to, uh, I, I try speaking of Tony Robbins. I try every night and I've been doing this with my children lately. It's a pretty amazing exercise. We, we say three things in our day that we're grateful for and two that we're looking forward to. And that seems to help me at least temper the bad days when I can kind of go back to my intention and, and what is, what is going well. And the, I, I feel like gratitude in any situation is really an antidote for disappointment. Right. So, Amen, yeah. sister. Amen, yeah. sister. All right. Well, I agree. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, a favorite slash transformative book worth sharing with the audience. <sighs> I have so many, you know, right now I'm reading, uh, Tim Ferriss's tools of the Titans and I'm digging it for so many different reasons. It's, it's just chock full of so much great stuff and you can skip around to different sections and I've been getting it as gifts for clients lately. Uh, so I would definitely recommend that for anyone that's, is looking for some, some kind of transformative book. Right on. And then how about a website app? Uh, tech tool, gadget, something you use quite a bit and you can't do without aside from your actual phone. I am the least technological person you will ever meet, Martin. I'm the last person you should ask. <laughs> so so you, you, there's no app you're using. There's no website you're going to. Oh, you know, somebody that I follow. Is that, you know, is that what you're talking about? Um, Somebody's site that I follow or, or maybe, no, I mean, I love Seth Godin. I read his stuff all the time. He's (laughs) one of my favorite bloggers, but I don't think that's really what you're talking about. (laughs) No, Uh, that's funny. No, Seth's a good guy. That's, uh, all right. We will. Yeah. I'm, I'm the last person you should ask about anything tech savvy. (laughs) It's really kind of, it's quite sad. Thank God for my millennials in my office that helped me with all that that's too funny all right well (laughs) before we check out completely do you have anything that we can share with the audience promote i will of course add links anything you want to mention before we uh say au revoir Absolutely. If you're interested in any kind of speaker training or speaker coaching, you can visit my website at themoxieinstitute.com. The Moxie. And I know that you're going to link. Yep. Themoxieinstitute.com. And it's a chock full of information, not only about speaker coaching, but our presentation skills workshops where we work with teams and departments within corporations to help guide them in their presentation skills. And we just create a new workshop uh, that's around creating a TED-like or TED-worthy presentation. And so that's been getting a lot of a lot of buzz lately. And so I'd love for you to check out the information on that. And that's on our website too. And read my ink articles. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be all over both of these. This is fantastic. Great. Fia, thank Great. you so much for taking the time. We are 
exactly right on time for our show. And again, it's been what were those three things? I got to pull up my notes. Learn oh, something. Shoot. Don't ask me to repeat anything. No, no, I said no. I'm talking to me. Ago. Learn something. Uh, be entertained and do well. And you have done all three ex- exquisitely. <laughs> well, good. good. So, so I, think we I can, can I can walk the walk, right? That's right. Uh, great job. And then we will chat soon and and reach out. Reach way out to Greg out in Palm Springs. Say hello, and uh, we will chat with you soon. Say goodbye. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on, and goodbye. I look forward to hearing this podcast and being on the show again. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Take care. We'll see you at the next episode.